Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two cousins who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. I'm Monica. And as you can see by my uh, background, I have once again left my house to go <laughs> to a different house. I am once again in my bed, yeah. like always. No, I am staying at the Village Coconut Island Resort off of Phuket. Um, it's bomb. I've been here about five hours, but like I really, really like it. So the only problem is uh, the air conditioner in this uh, villa is loud AF. So if I have some Bailey Sarian like freaking out about how hot I am moments back when she first started doing videos and did not have air conditioning in her apartment, that's why. <laughs> it is hot. See, it's freezing here. Uh, I, I say freezing, but it's not freezing, freezing. I'm just always cold. So, um, yeah. Getting used to winter in New York is not going to be a fun experience, as you know. Getting used to weather in New York at all is not going to be a fun experience when you're cold and shaking at 75 degrees. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to like coming back home in May, because when you come home in May next year, it probably, the high will be like 55. Don't, don't, don't say that. You're the, one, you're the one coming back. I don't know. As previously discussed, um, I don't know if I'm going to come back because... You got three strikes at the belt. I got three strikes, ma'am. <laughs> this guy that I thought was cute, I messaged him on Instagram, slid into his DMs, and he called me sis. Yeah. So... Pepperoni and mustard. Yeah, and there's no cup and char pepperoni. There's a shortage of cup and char pepperoni. There's no more anywhere. And also, it's cold AF. Yeah. So why would I come home? I don't blame you. Don't tell my mom. Don't tell my mom I'm even joking about not coming home because she will lose it. You'll, you'll get a text message and she'll be like, Mary Catherine, I don't know who you think you are, <laughs> but you're coming home. She literally goes, so once you come home, you're never going to leave me again, right? I was like, of course not, Mom. As long as you continue to let me live in your house without paying rent, I will never leave you. <laughs> Love that. Uh, what have you been doing this week? Well, school's out. It was the end of semester one. The last two days of school were just parties with my kids. Um, none of them failed any of their exams. Good. I, one of the boys that I tutor uh, did almost fail one of his exams, though, and I am very angry at him. That is a problem for after vacation. <laughs> um, yeah, it was great. Uh, we had parties. We did some tests. Uh... I did have a stress dream though, because, you know, um, 
obviously most people watching this are not in Thailand and they're unaware of how the Thai school year education system, blah, blah, blah is. But usually we start our school year in May and then we have like an entire month off of school in October. Um, as well as like a couple weekends here, a couple weekends there of like long weekends. But because of COVID, we started the school year late. We didn't start till July. And we lost a lot of our long weekends because there's a certain number of days that you have to be in school. And we also lost our time off in October. So right now I'm on holiday, but instead of a month off of school, for the kids it's only two weeks. And for us, it's only a week. But that also means that I have not had more than three days off of work in a row since July. And we did not even, usually after midterms, we get like a week to prep for the next term where there's no kids. Like, and we didn't get this this year. Like literally I was still grading midterms exams and teaching the next part of the school year. So I haven't had a break from the kids since July, which on the one hand I love because I love my kids, but on the other hand, um, it's been a lot and we're, it's been a lot and we're all very, very grateful to have this time off. But apparently because I've been with the kids for so long without a break, the idea of not seeing them for two weeks was more than my brain could handle. And I had a stress dream where they all told me they were transferring to a different school and I just woke up sobbing. Oh. But then I actually had to deal with them on a sugar high for the last day. Like we had a party for the last day of school and one of my classes decided to bring balloons and blew up balloons and were throwing them around the room while eating pizza. And I was like, you know, I'm really going to enjoy my week off. <laughs> well, um, my week has been very lackluster. I've done nothing. Literally done nothing. Um, I saw my boyfriend for like two days. and uh, You decorated your Christmas tree, though. I decorated my Christmas tree. As you can tell, I'm so thrilled about that. Your mom was um, very thrilled about it. Very, she was. She she was, and like for the viewers who don't know, Christmas not particularly my favorite holiday. That's been accumulated over the past few years as to why not. But I'm not going to di- like dive into as to why not. But. Um, there are definitely a lot of people in my life trying to make it as enjoyable for me as possible. So, uh, I well, and also because like Christmas for our family is like kind of a big deal. Yeah. Until and, like, until like, we don't really want you to not be happy about it. Not because like you're ruining it for us, but because it is so special for everybody else that it's like, why let one thing ruin what doesn't have to be bad? Not saying that like, forget your trauma. Like I'm not, no, but that's why people are trying so hard. 
mean, I completely understand that, and I love that. So, Mom, like, she decorated the one tree and put, like, her ornaments on and everything. But I helped her set them up, and we watched When Harry Met Sally. So, like, we're making a little tradition about it, like, ourselves. So, she's, like, trying to get me into the whole holly jolly aspect. And I know, like, it's it's just been weird. And I know Christmas this year, on top of the one normal thing that I was used to, now that it's, like, a very COVID Christmas, like, I don't know how Christmas is going to be this year with, I mean, on Thanksgiving, I'm just going to be with my mom and my stepdad and my stepbrother. Like that's all my Thanksgiving's going to be. Yeah. My Thanksgiving is going to be spent uh, doing nine hours of desk work in my office because uh, I live in a country that is not America. So there is no Thanksgiving. And that means you can't have rolls. You can't have turkey. I don't even have turkey here. Sometimes the kids look at me like, I literally had a student ask me, does turkey taste good? And I was like, yes, it tastes so good. I just want turkey. See what we'll do when you come back home in May. We'll have a, uh, we'll have a, a Thanksgiving feast. Oh my God, it looks like I'm crying. I, I wasn't really crying, but like my face is just, oh, wow, sorry. I got really emotional about turkey. Also, to the people that are watching, uh, instead of just listening, why does my body look so big compared to my head right now? Like, why do I look so huge? I mean, honestly, why? Why do I look anything? Like, just, just why do you watch this? Yeah, I mean... Welcome to the shit show. It's a it's a wild probably ride. not to hear us talk about Hemlock Grove because we never do that. It's literally like, here's about our lives. Here's what we're really going through this week. Um. Oh yeah, Hemlock Grove. This happened. Okay, see you next week. Bye. <laughs> but the thing about this week's episode is we actually have things to talk about. Yeah. So, no lie, I took four and a half pages of notes. And granted, I did that because, as you can tell by this hotel that I'm in, I was traveling today. So I didn't watch the episode all at once. I, like, watched 10 minutes in the taxi, and then I watched 20 minutes at the airport, and then I watched five minutes while I was waiting for them to tell me how to turn my phone off on the plane. And so, like, I took a lot of notes because I was like, I'm not going to remember everything. Yeah. But also, a lot of my notes, I just randomly paused the episode and wrote, like, legitimate paragraphs. I had so much to say this week. Yeah, this week, definitely, uh, sorry. Um, this week was definitely interesting. Like, there, from the, literally the cold open to the very last scene, there was always something happening in this episode. I think there was maybe five minutes total of the episode that I was not invested in. Yeah, and they were honestly really small scenes where there was Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, like, of the 45 minutes of this episode, there was maybe five that I was not invested, where usually there's maybe five that I am invested. So I think this is the episode that we've been waiting for for this season, and I just hope that they keep the same... I I know not every episode's gonna be as ba-boom, ba-boom, boom boom through every scene but i hope that with this little boost or this big boost with this episode they carry on that momentum that they started already and don't yeah. really 
Unfortunately, I'm, I'm worried that they won't because I was doing some more research today, um, as I do, because that's what I do. But no, I was very, I was having a lot of feelings about price in this episode. Same. And I was really, one of the things that I still don't know, and obviously we'll talk about it more when we get to that, is that I don't know who prices allegiance actually is to yeah i also think he doesn't know but my question was how much did joel de la fuente really know about what was going on in price's head so i was doing some research about the book versus the show blah 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 and i did find definitively that the book is only season one So everything in season two and three, obviously, like, it's the same character as Brian McCreevy was still consulting on it, but it is a new story. I also read one review that said the show was mediocre, but the book was worse. But most people that I've, every review that I found is still very very anti-season two and three and they're saying that it had so much potential and it just didn't live up to it and I'm so nervous after an episode like this that we're gonna be so invested and have like one or two really good episodes and then not get what we want from it so yeah because from the one part that happens to where me and you differentiate on the outcome of it, um, if my outcome, if, if your outcome is correct, I'll be very upset. No, no, no but our differentiation is my, maybe not as big as you think. Possibly. So we'll get there. Okay, let's, let's get into the episode. So this is season two, episode three. Uh, it is entitled Luna Rea, and it came out on July 11th, 2014. It was directed by Peter Cornwell, who, um, Peter Cornwell has not directed a single thing since the year 2014, and he has not directed any television at all other than Hemlock Road. But... He directed a short film in Australia called Ward 13 that got him enough notice to be recruited to direct The Haunting in Connecticut. Oh. Yes. So he is no stranger to the horror genre. And obviously The Haunting in Connecticut was... I don't know. I didn't watch it, but I know that my sisters did, and it scared the crap out of them. So we watched. I remember we watched Connecticut Two at your house with them. It was I the did. second one. And I surely did not. You weren't there. You weren't there. I think it, it may have been Bree, possibly Gabby, and your brother. 
And then someone stood up in the doorway. I think I've told you the story, but someone was came up the stairs and stood in the doorway right at the same time that the jump scare was. But this person didn't, didn't say anything. It kind of stood there and watched. Like, this is a real person. They're not. It wasn't like a ghost. It was like an actual person that was with someone in the household at the time that just stood at the doorway and just watched us and then went, hey, after a certain amount of time. And I was like, I, we all got scared because she had been standing there for a minute. Boo, lay down. I don't know if you remember. I think I know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Chloe? No. Oh. Him. You said she. That's why I'm confused. Because I was like, let's hope um, Kim never comes across this. Anyway, anyways, uh, so that's really cool. Hunch in Connecticut. He directed that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're being annoying and you're being a brat. Lay down. It was written by Peter Blake. So we got double Peters, Pete and Pete. Good show. Um, Pete squared. Did you? No, you're too young. You never watched Pete and Pete. No. Children. <laughs> anyway, um, Peter Blake is a screenwriter. But interestingly enough, if you look at his bio, he, his first, it says, Peter Blake is a lawyer. Oh, and also he writes things. Um, a lawyer who writes things? Um, he wrote a lot of, he started screenwriting for The Practice, which was a TV show about law. So like, it makes sense that that would be his foray into writing. But he also wrote a bunch of episodes of House and Elementary. Um, he has been nominated for three Emmys for writing, and he has also been nominated three times for the Edgar Allan Poe Award for Television Mystery, and he won one. Oh. Um, and anyone who knows me knows that there are three, four men that I love more than life itself. Of course, they're all dead, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but uh, those four men are King Henry VIII of England, uh, William Shakespeare, Charles Dickens, and Edgar Allan Poe. And if that does not explain my personality, I don't know what will. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but so he uh, again also not like super prolific but definitely has yes um and i will say i really 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 like the writing and the direction of this episode so yeah 
I think they did a really good job, especially with keeping pace. I don't think it was very sporadic. I don't think there were random scenes that didn't need to be there. Um, I think there was one scene that me and Mary Kay had both talked about, and it was like two minutes long. It was kind of boring, but I feel like in a weird but way... It, the, even, even the boringness of the scene, the writing was still really good. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't think there was... I thought there was a really good mix of comedy and story in this episode. I thought the um, the art direction, which isn't necessarily either of them, but obviously the director has some say in the art direction as well, was really good. Um, yeah, it was just really good episode. Yeah, 100%. Um. And we're still dealing with the same special effects crew. There's not a lot of special effects in this episode, but there is obviously one scene where things are a little... Um, but, you know, it's the special effects still coming through. The master effects team, um, Patrick Baxter, still working as ahead of that. And um, everything's the same over there. So... <laughs> Our little blurb says, Peter explores the scene of his haunted premonitions. Meanwhile, Olivia demands exclusivity from Norman at all costs. Again, I don't know who writes the blurbs, but they're not very good at it. Yeah, no. Because while those things happen, if I had to give you a, an overview of this episode, that's that wouldn't not what I would say. No. No, no, no. Not at all. Of course, granted, one of the things, they were probably trying not to make it super spoilery, but it yeah. was the first scene, so like... Yeah, regardless. Right. They could have um, like teased at something awakening, but they didn't. Not even, I wasn't even talking about that part. I was talking about the other part of that scene and who is in that scene. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that's a pretty big deal in this episode. But also, kind of spoilery. I get it. Um, yeah. yeah, so. Speaking oh, of the first scene. Cute. Yeah. Um, we open on a dark and gloomy cemetery. And I wrote, cemetery. Oh, Christina, question mark, question mark. And then it immediately pans to Christina's grave. So if I had just waited literally six more seconds, I wouldn't have needed to write that. But then my next note says, holy shit. Yeah, we get, uh, we hear some like grumble noises and then out pops two hands from her grave and then we see claws start coming out of her fist like Wolverine and I write down fucking zombie wolf. Like are we gonna have a zombie? Because her, she looked like a zombie. Like her, like her body looked like it was like decayed. So yeah. I was like, oh, wolf will look that way then. But, it, but didn't. It, it didn't. It looked like she did when she was alive. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh my god, Christina's gonna pop out of her grave and like but just the way the claws started coming out before the, I was like oh oh <sighs> and then Christina Wolf is clearly on a vendetta 
Yeah. Because she's chasing someone through the woods. And they did it in a way where you weren't exactly sure who she was chasing at first. Like, as the scene went on, it became clearer. But at first, like, it was just you heard running. And then you saw feet. And then, like, and there was no, like, here is an image of a human standing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, who is this in the woods? And then my note says, someone that can actually knock Christina out. Is this Shelly? Yes. I'm on fire today because I got two predictions right in the first minute of the episode. I was really proud of myself. Mind you, like, this is all in the cold open, and the cold yeah. open wasn't even long. It was really quick pace. Yeah. Uh, um, and I was so happy that Shelly was back. And they were yay, Shelly. I said, bitch slap her again because <laughs> I still hate Christina. <laughs> The hatred just keeps carrying over, yeah. too. Uh, yeah. She, but literally, I didn't know it was Shelly at first, and the wolf is chasing her, and she just turns around and smacks her. She bounces off a tree. <laughs> Ooh. Um, we better put a hashtag sneeze in this episode. Um, yeah, so this, you know exactly what side of YouTube we're going on this week. Um, but she smacks her and then she like hits the tree and bounces off and i was like it has to be shelly because who else is physically capable of doing that no one yeah one the way person. i could tell was the way she the way she was running after a certain point yeah like her back was that was the way i was like where i was like, okay that has to be shelly and then like yeah. i saw her bitch slap and i was like okay yeah that's definitely shelly um and that oh. Is the cold open? And the cold open, yeah. Um, the next after the cold open, we go to um just like flashes of Peter's dream. Um. And my note says, more weird dreams, but a lot more of the masks in these ones, and children, which I do not like. Yeah. And now, and after we got those weird flashes, after we got those weird little flashes, we see uh, Peter is where he was when we left off last week, that he was at um, the quote-unquote gonsus or whatever, the wagon something, I don't know what it's actually called. Um, and he's walking uh, around, snooping. Being a creep. My note says, Peter, being a creep. Um, but when and then, Peter's always, lurk. they lurk. <laughs> Whenever they're investigating a new place, they kind of just make themselves look the most conspicuous out of anyone. I'm like, act normal. Like, if you're right. going to do this, Right. Um, and then this lady comes out to shoot him. And she's like, people don't know you around here. You can't be creeping around. She has a little kid, and he is like, listen, just go inside and lock your door. You're not safe. And I paused that and looked up who she was because she looked super familiar to me, and it wasn't who I thought it was, but she's been in a lot of things, so I did know her. Not important, but... Did you ever... Did you ever watch the movie A Simple Favor? 
We definitely need to do that movie at this on at some point on this show, mostly because I want to see your reaction to watching it because it's a good movie. She's in that movie. It's not horror, it's more thriller, but which I like thriller. Yeah. Hashtag make America metric again. Brianna said she was going to run for president and that was going to be her slogan. Oh my God, please. I feel like we should. Like, why does everywhere else use the friggin' metric system? It'd make life so much easier. We wouldn't have to have two dials on a car where it's like miles per hour versus kilometers per hour. Kilometers, I still don't fully understand. Like, I know the difference, but like, I could not. Visually, like in my mind, picture a kilometer versus a mile, but I do my height and weight in kilograms and meters now. Yeah, being in Thailand and you having to teach it, I, it's like you're reteaching yourself. Well, and, yeah, and also, like when I go to the doctor, they don't tell me how many pounds I weigh. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it's nice because kilograms are 2.2 pounds so my weight will always be smaller in kilograms than it ever could be in pounds so it's nice yeah like i weigh less than 100 kilograms i will never in my life weigh less than 100 pounds which is not a bad thing but yeah a smaller number it does make me feel better yeah Anyway, so this chick, I will, I don't know how much you weigh in pounds, so I can't do the math, but also I don't think you want to put your weight on blast. Yeah, no, not, not, not particularly, not right now. Not um, so this chick goes back inside and Peter continues to be a fucking creep. And then he goes around the corner and he runs into Roman. And I wrote, what the fuck is Roman doing here? Yep, I just wrote down, oop, Roman's here. Um, turns out they're still having the same dreams because they are twin flames. Yep. Um, and then Peter's like trying to get answers out of Roman and figure out what's going on in the dreams. And um, Roman is like, yeah, nope, I'm piecing out. And he's like, we can't just abandon these people. And Roman's like, why, bro? That's what you're good at. And I wrote, Roman is so freaking bitter. I cannot even deal. Yeah. Be honest at the same time, for Roman, is like, if you were in Roman's shoes and they have Peter, so we can't abandon these random people that we don't know, but abandon you, who is his best friend, you would be like, the audacity of this bitch. Because I would be. I'd be like, you literally left when my cousin died. My cousin's sister wife died. So why are you going to just let Why are they more important to you? See, I want to believe I would be as cold as Roman. But also, my middle name is Dormat, so probably I wouldn't. Me. We are the same, Mary-Kate. 
<laughs> we are one and the same. Like, I wish I could have Roman's cold exterior when someone hurts me, but I'm just like, I'll be mean to you for, like, literally one second, then they'll explain that they're going through a really hard time. I'm like, no, 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 it's okay, I'm here for you, let me fix you. I just don't talk to people, because then if I do, I feel bad. I, I you know what, I think I need to start that. <laughs> I need to start doing that. And, like... But also, like, I'm way too empathetic for that shit. Like, I'd be like, I know I'm hurting, but, like, you were hurting, too. Which is something that Roman fully does not understand. Like, and, like, I know I'm, like, talking shit about how bitter Roman's being, but I think my problem is the fact, but, like, I don't blame Roman for not wanting to deal with Peter, for feeling betrayed and for feeling hurt. Like, that is perfectly reasonable, but... Roman is acting as if Peter had no reason to also be hurt, and that bothers me. Yeah, and that's completely understandable, because that is where I feel like one of them's gonna have to bite the bullet and just be, like, almost, like, swallow their pride. The one who's gonna have to do it is Roman, is he's gonna have to swallow his pride, or else, because Peter's trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Roman's gonna swallow his pride and just be like... And Peter definitely opened up more in this episode because like so in the first episode when he comes back and Roman's like you left and he's like yeah I left like he's not showing emotion and this episode he's like he like in this scene he's like I was ready to move in and to be a dad and to like settle down and to get a job and to be everything that I am not supposed to be Mm -hmm. I had to leave the thing is, he says all that, and Roman just is like, "Nah," and just drives off. Drives off, and um, I wrote, "How is Peter gonna deal with this baby news?" Like, bro. Yeah. If Peter ever finds, I mean, he has to, but like, yeah. if Peter finds out that not only is the baby alive, but also Roman is the father, and Roman has had the baby the whole time. There's going to be, like, a World War Three going on between the two of them. Like, how? I don't or know. It could be, like, a Mr. Mom situation. Um, <laughs> I just can't see Peter getting over that. Like, I can't see him forgiving that. Yeah, yeah genuinely, I feel like I feel like Peter will be very very hurt by that because I feel like Peter would have some connection to Letha through that way um but also just the fact that Roman made such a big deal about like you left me you're a terrible person but he's also hiding things but granted like it's not like he had the chance to tell him either I guess it just depends on how he finds out yeah, if um, unless if it's Roman who tells him that the baby's still alive but doesn't give him the full details, um, I feel like Peter will understand. I feel like Peter will understand, but I think Roman, because of the fact that Roman is so hurt and like he probably didn't have a chance to tell Peter that this happened to him, yeah. I feel like Peter will understand that. I don't think Peter's going to understand him being the father unless. 
Peter, unless Roman fully explains to Peter that my mom did some weird booty thing on me. Right. But that would, that would be Roman admitting. And he doesn't do that. And like the thing is, while we know what happened and we know that he obviously does not like his mom, to admit that he was in any way powerless is not Roman. That's why I think Roman should stop being a prideful little bitch and just be like, you know what? I'm a human. If I want to be a human, I need to act like a human. And you right, know, like he's so sure he doesn't want to be up here. He wants to be human, but he ain't. He has not given us any emotion. Yeah, he's like cold. He's like he's colder than Edward in that tent in the middle of the eclipse when she had to sleep between him and Jacob. Wait, do you mean Bella? No, Edward's body, it was rock cold and she couldn't sleep with him because it was so cold. That's why she had to sleep with Jacob. Twilight. What a fun thing. My friend was asking about my podcast and I go, basically, um, we just talk about Vampire Diaries and Twilight and sometimes talk about the show we're talking about. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Um, So after, um, after Roman and Peter have their little thing we go back to Shelly in the woods still trying trying to find I guess somewhere and mm-hmm. is still conscious as hell still chasing after Shelly and it gets this part where it looks like Shelly is going to get killed and I was gonna be like no they're now not here is where my note is before we get to the next part because I know you have a lot to talk about in the next part I wrote, the sun is up and she is still a wolf. So my thought in this is that Christina is dead. The wolf is not. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair assumption to say. Because I'm still under the assumption based on how last season ended that this is some kind of inhabiting force it is some kind of like possession almost it is not the same spirit as christina and i think that christina is dead but that this wolf is not and that's why i said our thoughts on the matter might not be as different as you think that's completely fair to say because with because uh, we don't see Christina, like we don't. We see, see her. the her zombified hand as it's turning into the claw. But then we um, we have only seen the wolf, and now with this scene, uh, Shelley runs like this dark tunnel, and the wolf is like sniffing for her and like trying to like it's being slow, almost like stalking her, like as you think that it's gonna pounce on her. But then Shelly has the upper hand and literally, like, grabs her by the neck and, like, snaps her neck. No, no. Before she does that, she beats her in the head with a rock over and over and over again. And I wrote, well, definitely dead now. Damn, Shelly. And then it got worse. And then she ripped the head of the wolf off and then took it by the mouth and ripped it in half i was like shelly's not messing around she's saying if you're dead you're gonna be dead and here's my thing with this scene 
Yes. Awesome. Power moment for Shelly. Shelly said, I'm going to make sure you're dead now. I'm taking care of this. Love that for her. But if they were hyping it up that she's coming back, especially with the cold hanger at the end of the last episode of season one, with this happening in the cold opener now, how I do think the wolf is actually dead because there's no way it's going, unless it's going to reassemble and zombify back together. But I don't see how it could come back. But I also see that it's very shoddy for them to kill it in its second scene of the first episode it's back. And not make it a problem. Yeah, I do agree that as a storytelling element, it does not make sense to bring the wolf back just to kill it. But also, how? What? Like, you know, this might be one of those things that's going to start to be a thorn in our side about this season. Yeah, and that sucks because I feel like with that happening, there could be ways to discover as to what it actually was if there was something more to what happened to Christine that could have brought Roman and uh, Peter together again, and that's how they could have found Shelly because if Shelly's being chased by the wolf and they're hearing that the wolf's back and all this stuff that could have led them to Shelly, like... Again, we still don't know, but I think that there were so many possibilities to keep the wolf around a longer than two scenes um, in order to make the rest of the season kind of go together and to kind of tie people coming back to each other's lives through that. Which, again, plays into the fact that every review we've seen of this season has said that it has potential and then it fails. And that's very, very sad because I just us getting excited. And I would rather like, something be trash from beginning to end than to have a build up and then disappoint me. Yeah. And I feel like this is kind of, with as amazing as this episode is, it really scares me that next week's going to be a new, like, <laughs> a tragic right. point. And, um, and I just kind of hope that, like, you know, I hope that there's still some coherency in it where I'm not completely mad at the end. Yeah. But this might be, like you said, one of those things that are going to be the the first thorn in our side where it's like, this could have been so much better if you didn't kill her right away. Yeah. Um, So then we see Peter driving away because obviously it's morning. Peter's driving away from the um, trailer park, which I'm trying to figure out what he did. That night, yeah, because yeah. things happened overnight that he missed. So where was he? No exactly. idea. Um, but so an ambulance is headed toward where Peter is leaving. So obviously, the sane, rational thing to do is to follow it, right? I wrote, "Good job. Just openly follow the police to check on people you don't even know. You are sus AF." Yeah, Peter definitely does not know how to not be inconspicuous at all. He's just like, how can I make myself the number one suspect in every murder case everywhere? Okay, I'll do that. He's literally, if this was among us, he would be voted as the imposter every time. Oh, 100%. And then there's this saying, Peter is not the imposter. I'm like, shit. He's just really sus. Right. <laughs> um, 
But then um, when he does follow them, we see that the woman he talked to last night is the trailer that the police and the ambulance are at. And he asks another guy, like, what happened? And the guy says, it looks like a murder-suicide. So, like, they believe that the woman killed her daughter and then herself. Mm -hmm. And um, I wrote, damn, guess she didn't lock her door. Also, stop killing children. <laughs> this, this weird smiley face mask cult is kind of back. And we still don't know anything about them. Right. Nothing. Like, Nothing. we're in episode three, and we don't have even a hint as to why they're doing it. The no. only thing we know is that they are, in fact, actually targeting children. Yes. Based on this scene and another scene that comes up later in the episode, my initial gut reaction of being uncomfortable in episode one with the fact that there were kids there was not wrong. And children are a part of this, and I am very unhappy about it. Yeah, and also the fact about the one that uh, Peter read in the newspaper, how the guy jumped off the or fell. While hiking with an infant, because my first reaction to having an infant baby is to take it hiking on a mountainside. Yeah. Also, the police in the show also are kind of stupid to believe that. If you're seeing these, especially within the same area, you're seeing all these murders that are coming up with children and at least one adult dying. But the thing is, they're not in the same area. The first one we saw was in Massachusetts, and then the baby and the dad was in New York, and then this is in Pennsylvania. Like, none of them are in the same place. That's what's so messed up about it. That's true. So, like, local police wouldn't even know. That's true. Like, and that's why so many serial killers, like, got away with it for as long as they did was because they moved around and until you're on a federal database you're not seeing the pattern Mm -hmm. yeah that's very true um so peter goes home and uh destiny is once again yelling at him and she says like that she still thinks he's not okay and he's like it was two days ago she and she says yeah and you've been a dick ever since and i go oh so turning against the moon just turned him into an asshole (laughs) um but then she uh says that he's been walking really stiff and like asks him to lift up his shirt and i wrote holy bruise batman his body is effed up yeah, and then Peter's like, oh, it's a lot better than it was. And she's like... Which makes me worry about how bad it was two days ago. Yeah. And uh. and then finally, like, we get some explanation as to why Peter turning on the wrong moon is so bad, because you won't yes. remember why your fate, like, what phase you're in when you phase. If you yes. Do it. And I wrote a note about this, because I don't know if you remember this. But I have recently re-listened to the first couple episodes of our podcast because sometimes I just want to see if we really sucked as bad as I feel like we did. But in the very, very first episode of Hemlock Grove, when Peter tells Christina that his uncle, or that the, like, the Nikolai, the one who lived in the house before, was a drunk. Like, he died from alcohol. I told you. That's not true. That's not how he died. I don't know what the explanation is, but I know that they're giving us 
something. There's more to it. And now, 16 episodes later, we finally get the answer. And Nikolai didn't die from being a drunk. He died because he had turned on the wrong moon too many times. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, this is where we find out why the episode is called that um, Lunarea. That is literally means the, the bad moon. Mm-hmm. And um, so with the, now that we know, I feel like with uh, Nikolai um, dying that way, it almost seems like Peter had just found out this information too, as that's why he died. I don't think he just found it out. I just think he doesn't want to listen. That's also true. Because I think that he it kind of feels like he knows that that's the path he's headed down, but he has to do what he has to do to get his mom yeah. out, and he justifies it that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, then we head over to the uh, rehab facility where Olivia is in her garden, her greenhouse, and Norman gets there and she sees him outside and she gets like giddy like a schoolgirl, like a dum-dum. And then Marie walks up to Norman and Marie and Norman have a little conversation and they hug and Olivia is not anymore. I literally wrote down, I said, Olivia is still showing emotions. And then I was like, oh wait, she's mad again. <laughs> um, and then Norman comes inside and he's like, that voicemail you left was so sweet, like, blah, blah, um, and she's like, why don't you just go share it with Marie? And she's being, like, a 14-year-old girl, and um, I wrote, Norman ain't wrong. This jealousy is not a good look on you, Liv. Yeah. He literally was like, you were never jealous when I was married to her. Right. She's like, he was, he's like, literally, she was my wife and you didn't care. And now we're not together. I'm with you. And we bumped into each other and you're going to act like a 12 year old. Then she said, well, maybe you can bump into her when you leave again. And I was like, damn, Olivia, calm down. She literally sounds like me when I was in a toxic relationship. Same. Maybe we're, maybe we're Olivia. No. And that's the problem, is that we never knew it. And I will finally- I mean, of all the characters in the show, she is the one I relate to the most. Except for the creepy being in love with the sun thing. That's just too much. No, I don't, no. No. I'm not love that one, Chief. Um, so then Norman goes to visit Roman. And my only note on this scene is, Norman visits Roman. It was the scene that I cared the least about. But Norman is basically being like, you have to forgive your mom because once you lose somebody, they never come back. And Roman's like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. Which was only really important because he knows that it's not true because he's the one who killed his mother. And yet, she's still there. Yeah, I think 
uh, Roman only th- feels that because I think he understands where Norman's coming from because he also lost uh, Letha. Yeah, but he says it in a colder way than I than that, and that's why I was thinking he was more like, I wish that was true. Get this bitch out of here. But that's awesome. um, we go back to Roman's house, although Roman is not there. Miranda is a. Uh, Johnson pictures and the butler gets a phone call and then runs upstairs to go to the baby room and uh, Miranda's starting to get suspicious. Uh, the butler is giving her the heebie-jeebies. And so then uh, Peter ends up calling Miranda to let her know that they found some of the uh, parts for her car but a little cheaper and then he's going to go pick it up at, in, um, and it's an hour away. And she's like, well, hey, can I tag along? Because the butler's creeping me out, bro. And he's like, uh, I guess I'll be over in 15. And um, Andreas tells Peter that uh, he wouldn't be so stressed out if he was getting laid. Because when Andreas met Destiny, he became a better man. And Peter said, you're my fucking role model. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm um, then we go back to Godfrey Institute, where uh, Roman is watching a video of medical stuff and eating his, his lunch. And I wrote, uh, watching surgery videos is not going to help your appetite, dude. Yeah, I literally wrote down, I was like, does Roman enjoy torturing himself? But right. then right after that, I literally wrote that. He went out there. He's like, I need something to do. He's like, well, did you watch the video? He's like, yeah, I already watched it. I was like, oh, he had to watch that. I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so then they're like, um, go. He's like, I'm going to go visit Price's lab. And uh, they're like, he's like, well, let me call Price. And he's like, no, no, no. Make it a surprise. Mm-hmm. So he goes there. And he is following Price, and then Price disappears, and he can't figure out where he went. Mm-hmm. And then, then, because when when he sees Price, it's almost like Price has like a, a secret entrance to his basement laboratory thing, because he walks and follows. He sees them walk down the hallway. He follows them, and the only known uh entryway anywhere is the stairwell to downstairs and he gets there and it's just the electrical room mm-hmm. else um then we go back to peter on his road trip with uh miranda and uh peter's like so what have you been doing and she's like just hanging out at the house he's like have you been hanging out with roman she's like are you so interested in him? And he's like, I'm not. She's like, then why are you so not interested in him? And I wrote, he is interested. He's in love. It's fine. Um, and then he's like, I just, he get, like starts to get an attitude. And she's like, did you guys like date the same girl or each other? And I wrote, yes. And yes. <laughs> Um, oh, I hate that. Um, 
So Miranda's all like, he's being a freaking weirdo. But then he gets a call from his mom and he's outside on the phone with his mom. He's like freaking out. He's trying to take care of her. And there's this flash to Miranda looking at him like, oh, you're a real person. I was like. (laughs) Um, And then my next note says, Oh, yay. My least favorite human is back. Yeah, I was. I literally got a note saying, oh, I forgot about these fucks. Because we haven't talked about them literally at all this season. So, um, the bishop is rattling off some bullshit about Mozart and how long it took him to write symphonies and blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. Although I realized that in that scene, the bishop tells us exactly how much time has passed. But I don't remember what he said because I just now remembered that he told us. Yeah, I have no idea either. Because basically he's like, it took Mozart this long to write these three symphonies and you've been following Roman Godfrey for this long and you haven't been able to do shit. And... I, this is, like, the part where I, like, liked Michael, because he's, like, I don't, there's no evidence saying that Roman yeah. killed my sister. He's, he's, like, no. he's, like, if if he didn't kill my sister, I'm not going to take care of him for you. If he did kill my sister, I will take care of the problem. I'm going to kill whoever killed my sister, but I'm going to find out and make sure it was actually them. And then the bishop's, like, if you leave this realm, you will lose my prote- protection financially and otherwise. And he goes, cool, and leaves anyway. And I wrote, I might actually like Michael. He ain't no fool. Same. Michael did what his sister couldn't do for whatever reason. Right. Walk away. Um, then we go back to Shelly. She's crawling into this basement. Mm-hmm. Dark Creek thing. And I wrote, has Shelly been living here the whole time? She have like, I feel- hideout? I don't think that Shelly's lived there. I think she literally just found that place because it had the home for auction sale because the people got evicted. And I think she was like, oh shit, let me bunk camp here for tonight. But there was a whole bed and stuff set up in the bottom. So I think she's been there for a while. But what about that? Well, because then later in the scene, there's this little boy that comes in there too. And then he's like, oh, who the hell are you? Oh, it's nice. But it doesn't seem like he doesn't know who she is. He brings her an apple. I mean, maybe, maybe they don't. Maybe I don't know, but basically, she's been hiding out this whole time, mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, then we go to this farm where these drug dealers are talking to their boss, mm-hmm. and their boss is like, "So this drug you gave me?" They're like, "Yeah, man, isn't this so great?" And he's like. Why don't you try it again? Mm-hmm. They were like, I don't know. Like, ah, I was real high. Like, we don't, I don't know. It's like, let just try. So they did. And then, of course, uh, I know it says, Peter got found out. Because they figured out that it was not really a drug. Mm-hmm. But the way their boss um, handles how he would like to handle them, I was not okay with so he basically, in order to show them 
the consequences of them messing up. He then goes and shoots a pig in the head, hangs it upside down, and slits its throat, and the blood pours into a bucket. And I wrote, yeah, I'm really not about this whole pig blood thing. Not. Yeah. Not on board with it. Well, and then I wrote down, poor piggy. Poor yeah. sad piggy. Got eaten. But basically, he's like, this is going to be you if you don't get my money back. Sucks to yeah. suck. Uh, next scene. Real quick before you go into the next one, he pours the sub into the glass and mixes it and then drinks it and he says, does the body good. Yeah, I still don't know what he gave them, but clearly not anything that's going to hurt you. Yeah. Um, then we go to the rehab facility and Olivia gets a visitor. And it is Marie. And she starts off the scene being very respectful. I was actually kind of on Team Marie for a minute. And she's like, listen, Norman is a good man. Take care of him. Like, our marriage should have ended years ago. I don't have any bad feelings about it being over. And I just don't want him to get her any more hurt. So I forgive you. And then Olivia is like, bitch, what do you forgive me for? I didn't do, like, your, your Norman is with me now that your marriage is over. And Marie goes, oh, and you don't think sleeping with him for the last decade had anything to do with why the marriage was over? <laughs> and then Marie goes, in. My note literally just says, damn, Marie, you went in. She's yeah. like, she rips Olivia a new one. Yeah. And Olivia's like, I have two dead daughters, too. Like, I, I know that get you can move on. And Marie's like, yeah, you know what? I might only have memories of a dead daughter, but you have a dead daughter who was the sweetest human on this planet. All you did was treat her like a freak. And and you have a piece of shit son who is awful and just hates your guts. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather just have a dead daughter. Yeah. She's like, what are you going to do when your boyfriend leaves you because he realizes what a trash human you are? And she was like, she was like, Marie, you need to leave. You're going to like regret it. She's like, why? I have nothing else to lose. And then the scene ends. Marie went in. She said, here's, here's a burn. Let me cool it down for you. And then, yeah, I'm going to burn you again. Roasted. Boom, roasted. Ray was just hitting them. One after the other, after the other, after the other. Like, uh, that, that throat kick would have been illegal in MMA. Like, that was... That was rough. That was spicy to watch. Yeah. And now there's another thing that's very spicy to watch, because now we're, um, with, uh, Peter and Miranda, and he is like, hey, you want to do, like, go back to my house? and No, we're not. No, not yet. But we are at a spicy scene. 
So we go back to the Godfrey Institute and there's a board meeting. And they're like, is there any more questions? Cause we're gonna end this meeting early for the first time ever. And Roman's like, actually I have a question. What's in your secret basement? <laughs> He's like, I saw you. He said, I saw you and Dr. Chernobyl walking down the street and then you were gone. I laughed my ass up when they called her Dr. Chernobyl. Uh, like, here's the thing I kind of love about Roman. He kind of puts um, Price on blast in the most inconvenient settings ever. So Price is like, sidebar. They go on the hallway. They're talking. And uh, Price is like, you're one to talk about men with hidden things in hidden rooms with locked doors. This is coming from someone who literally lives in a glass house, which I thought was hysterical because we all know how I feel about Roman's house. And um, I was like, yo, Price is gonna get, I wrote, Price is gonna out Roman's hidden baby if he doesn't get it together. And then I wrote, oh. Never mind. Because uh, Roman was like, yeah, but um, who signed that baby's death certificate? Oh, that's right, you. And while there might be some gray areas in what you're doing downstairs and what I'm doing with the baby, there's no gray in legally signing a death certificate that's not true. He said, and he said in malpractice. He said, it sounds a little malpractice-y to me. And I was like, <laughs> I was like oh. And then I wrote, Roman's such a little bitch. He is a little bitch, but he's like confident in it because he knows he's like, you can't touch me because he knows all the people that he has secrets that know his secrets. He has secrets on them that could also hurt them. So um, you say what you want. You can't get rid of me. Then Price is on the phone with um, Bishop Fuckhead, which is what I started writing his name as on my notes. Um, and um, turns out Price has been working for him the whole time. And Olivia knew. And he was like, and, but Bishop Fuckhead says Olivia kept her side of the deal. But like, at the end of the day, they are dogs and some dogs need to get put down. And then Price goes to talk to Dr. Chernobyl and he takes her and is like, we have a new secret project. And he explains some project to her and she talks back to him and he's like, yo, we don't ask questions around here. And my note says, I don't have nearly enough science knowledge to understand what the fuck they just said, but I know it's not a good thing for our boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like something about slowing down, like, the hemoglobin or something. Well, he said that she's a hematologist, which means that she is a specialist in blood. I got that. And it's some kind of enzyme inhibitor that has something to do with blood clots. And then she said that that would basically make somebody's blood explode. And I literally don't understand scientifically what on earth they're talking about. Um, and then this is when I started getting all like, whose side is Price on? Who is he working for? And started researching the book. I feel like what he's doing in a way is he's climbing away. Like in a way, I feel like his true debt lies to Wad, but Olivia has him under his, under her like grasp in a way. 
to where he, because of, like, extortional reasons that they both have, almost like Roman and Price are, but Roman and Price don't have a built relationship where they can trust each other enough to where the that thing is, Bishop Fuckhead is really trying to get Roman out of the picture. I think the only thumb that Olivia is pushing is the financial one. True. But also... The look on Price's face when, during the conversation with the bishop, made me think that he is not all in on everything the bishop is saying. Yeah. Which is why I'm not sure about his allegiance. Because based on the things he was saying to Clementine in the end of season one, I don't think he really has any care in his heart for Olivia. But he also went through all that shit to bring her back to life. Like, if he wanted Olivia dead, he could have just let her stay dead. Yeah. Unless it wasn't up to him. But then who was it up to? Because lot I see, I just... I... Because I think they kept it, I think it could have been Lob that was pushing for Price to do it because of the money aspect. Because if all the money went to Roman, they would not see any of it. But all of the money did go to Roman. That's the thing. When Roman turned 18, Olivia lost everything. Right. So I just just don't know. Like, that's the thing is, like, that's what Price is so ambiguous that, to be honest... No matter how bad the show gets, I will keep watching until I understand what his motivation is. Yeah. Um, uh, we watch it, and we never find out. That would it surprise you if that would happen? Not me. I was doing a puzzle of the world, and I spent twenty minutes looking for this piece that had Kazakhstan on it. And then I was like, "Watch, watch us finish this puzzle," and I still can't find that piece. We did. We finished a five hundred piece puzzle of the world. Two hundred of those pieces were just the fucking ocean. Guess what's gone? Kazakhstan, not there. (laughs) (laughs) Now. We go back to Peter and Miranda. Okay, so Peter and Miranda, they're they're driving on back and they're chit chatting and talking about life in a really weird way. And then there he's then um Peter's like, Why don't we go back to my place? Like cousin does, you know, tarot card readings. And then she laughs and she's like, Oh wait, you were serious. He goes, Yeah, I know like tarot card readers can only be like cheaps and like try to like get you out of money and scammers, but he's like, My my cousin Destiny knows what's up. And then she goes, Destiny? Yeah. <laughs> and my note just says, Peter, let's do a reading. Miranda, ha ha ha. Oh, wait. <laughs> you were serious. So they go back to the apartment, and he's like, Destiny, Destiny, Destiny ain't there. And then she goes, hmm. And he's like, no, like, I, I wasn't just trying to, like, get you back to my place. And then she goes, did you really think I wanted a clarified reading that I would come all the way back to your apartment for? Remember in her first interaction with him, I said, they better not do it. They did it. This note says, damn it, they are going to do it. So dumb. Yep, and then they did it. But then the worst part is that when they're doing it, she gets really emotional. And he's like, are you okay? And she's like, no, like, sometimes it happens. My note says, I just cried sometimes during socks, MBD. 
that was honestly very uncomfortable because he was, so, was like he's like so uncomfortable and then they're like laying in bed and she's like your bed is so comfy my ex's futon was a piece of shit oh my god and the girl's talking about her ex in bed and then she's like what about your ex do you still talk to her and he's like no she's dead because first of all, he's just like, no. And he, she goes, oh, that bad, huh? And then she was, he's like, he's dead. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> she, was like she was like, oop, let me get out of here. And he's like, no, no, no. It's Letha 2.0. Watch, he's gonna get pregnant with his wolf baby. <sighs> then we go to this mom talking to her little kid in the car. And this sketchy ass police officer is like, we got a prowler around here. Just make sure you lock your doors. And I wrote, sketchiest police officer ever. And then he gets in his car and on his passenger seat is the mask. And I said, called it. And then I wrote, this is when I realized that they are actually looking for children. My note says, I'm very angry. Yep. Yep. And then after we have the interaction with uh, the mother and the child outside their house, um, goes to the police station where they do the most. Neck and nose are giving us exposition in the shittiest way possible. Literally, they're talking about the new sheriff because as of last season, we knew that Chief Swarin said that he isn't, he resigned, he turned in his badge. And then in the last episode, we saw him, you know, doing some makeshift yeah. bomb in his basement that we were all assuming was going to be used on the White Tower. So, uh, well. next, like, this guy's real sketchy. And Nose is like, you think, you think he's worse than our last sheriff? You know, the guy who blew himself up in his basement with the bomb he was making? Yeah, so Soren's dead, dead. And we didn't even get to see how that was going to unfold because they although, killed him like, before we could even... Although, like, thanks for not showing us him blowing himself up, because I don't know if I could have emotionally handled that. Yes, but I think the concept of him going after the White Tower could have been, you know, actually interesting, but, but... they said, nah, you don't even get an on-screen death. So then they're like... This guy, the new sheriff, the reason they think he's so sketch is because he's given them a bad name because he stays really, really late and works in his office alone all the time. And as they're saying this, I was like, no, no. And then they go to the sheriff's office and they're showing pictures of the wall. And it's all, it looks like fucking conspiracy theorist bedroom with pictures and red t- string and shit everywhere and it's all the stuff that has been happening in Hemlock Grove mostly though pictures of Olivia and Roman and I was just like no 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 and then they show us the sheriff and my note says fuck no I was rooting for you Michael we yeah. were all rooting for you I still think Michael is, you know, walking away from it. I think he's almost just kind of telling them to, like, 
yeah, I'll do it, but I don't think he's actually no, going to win a cup. I don't think he's working for Locke. I don't think he's on the same team as Bishop Buckhead. But also, he's too smart. He's too smart to be the one on this case. Yeah. I don't trust him so being the one to figure this out. Because if anybody's going to figure it out, he's going to figure it out. Um, but so Peter and Miranda are in bed and he, they're tossing and turning and they're flashing to like the crazy dreams again. But then when they flash to somebody waking up from the crazy dreams, they actually flash to Roman waking up. So then he can't sleep because he's having these dreams. So he goes to check on the baby who is screaming. And then all of a sudden, the baby stops screaming and points at the door. And then the doorbell rings a second later. And it's Peter. And I wrote, great. Now the baby's a psychic too. Psychic baby. So Peter's like word vomiting the dream and Roman's like why are you here and he's like listen I don't want to be here any more than you want me to be here but like I don't know what else to do Destiny told me all last year that I needed to pay attention to the dreams and I didn't and that's why things got so bad and then he makes a grand apology. He's like, you are my only friend and I should have been there for you, but I couldn't be around anything that reminded me of Letha and I'm sorry, I was an asshole. He like actually apologizes for everything. And Roman um, gives Peter the missing piece of the dream because apparently they're having the same dreams, but not exactly. They're each having pieces of the dream and right, putting so them together right and putting them together will solve the puzzle like when they first ran into each other at the beginning peter had dreamt about the sign that said gonsis and roman hadn't dreamt the sign but he had dreamt, dreamt the train tracks and the mobile home so this time peter was seeing this little boy looking up at something but P roman dreamed about the plane that he was looking up at so like they need to work together. Um, and I wrote, well, at least that's a step in the right direction, Roman. We're getting there. Yes. Um, He's like, I hope you find what you're looking for. Yeah. Then we go back to Shelly in her little basement. And the little boy brings her something to drink. And... He says that her hand bandages are all dirty and gross and he can make her new ones out of his mom's old t-shirt. And she like doesn't want him to help her because she doesn't want him to see her hands. So he takes the sock off and shows that he has an extra toe in the wrong place. And he's like, I named my toe. We can name your fingers. And it's so cute. And he names them all these weird gross names. And he makes her new bandages. And I wrote, I love this little boy so much it hurts. I know he's like, we're gonna name this one Squishy, this one Stinky, this one uh, Gushy, this one Stinky. He said, we're gonna name this one Shorty. No, no, no. Stumpy. Stumpy. He's literally like this, like, 
it's so sweet because he's giving like Shelly this compassion that she probably hasn't gotten in a while. Yeah. And I think it's something that she finds comforting because in a way I think she might look at it as Roman. But because Roman was the only person in her life that made her feel remotely normal. Yeah. Um, then we go back to the uh, rehab and Olivia is ignoring Norman and he's like, you can't just call me, tell me it's an emergency and then ignore me. And then she finally turns around and she is sobbing, tears everywhere. And he's like, oh no, baby, don't cry. Don't cry, baby. I love you so much. And then they do it. And then he's talking to her about how they're going to travel and he's got all these things planned for when she's ready and she's just like I gotta pee <laughs> which made me laugh a little bit because that's me I'd be like I love your story but also I have to pee yeah um and my note said oh sex cured her limp question mark because when she got up to pee she did not have her cane anymore and she just waltzed to the bathroom yeah. So then she goes to the bathroom, she goes pee, she's washing her hands, she's checking herself out in the mirror. And then she looks behind her at the tub. And my only note says, my jaw just literally dropped like an idiot. And I watched the rest of the episode like this. Yeah. Me and Mary Kate have the exact same reaction because it shows what's in the tub and it pans up the tub. And we see body. And it pans up to show us who this body is. And it is Marie. I knew from the feet. I knew exactly as soon as we saw the feet what she had done. But I just. Uh, yeah, Olivia murdered Marie. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah, they left us with that. Which is why next week has to be a good episode or I'll be pissed. It probably won't be, but like, it needs to be. I just... What? Whack. Whack. So. I, I literally, I didn't even know how to write notes. I didn't know what to say. Yeah, I learned it said Olivia killed Marie. What the fuck? <laughs> and, um, so with that, come here. You're being needy. Okay. <laughs> you want a punch? Um, uh, Loki want to punch Roman just for being sensitive all episode, but at the same time, like, He's been the same way for the past three episodes. I think it's just getting to a point that's uh, kind of irritating where I'm like, okay, broski, just bite the bullet, accept what, like Peter's apology, and move on. I um, would like to punch probably Bishop Buckhead. And Yeah, him too. Boom. Because he was a dick to Michael, and then he told Price to Get Roman killed, which Price yeah. may or may not be listening to. Yeah, and if Price does listen to him, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to punch him too. 
and also kind of a little bit want to punch Olivia for acting like a jealous teenager and then killing her boyfriend's ex. Yeah. Because while there have been times in my life where I wanted to kill a boyfriend's ex, I never did. Good on you. My dog put his butthole right on my wrist. Who's your saving grace this episode? Honestly, that little boy with Shelly. Right? Because it's finally some wholesome content that, like, we haven't gotten, and I love it, and I feel like it helps Shelly feel somewhat, you know, normal and better. Yeah. Also, like, for, like, a five minutes, I really thought Michael was going to be my saving grace. Yeah. And he wasn't. And Peter is not, because he just can't stop having sex with blonde chicks. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that little boy. And also kind of Shelly for ripping that wolf head apart. Yeah, that's also true. Um, any theories? Um, I feel like a lot could go. Things can go a lot of different ways. Um, I want to know what's going to happen when Norman can't find Marie. What's going to happen when Norman does find Marie? Because eventually he's going to have to pee too. True. Um, because I'm a little concerned because I don't know if Marie told anyone or if anyone saw Marie go to Olivia's because if that's the case, Norman's gonna look there. And, um, then I think, sadly, I think that the wolf is dead, which kind of sucks because I thought that could be something back to back to Roman. I think um, nothing is going to be solved with this cult until Roman and Peter make up because like I said I think they have two halves of a whole. Yeah. And so hopefully they can stop being little sisters. Well, Roman can stop being little sisters and uh, just go okay. But I, I'm definitely worried about what happens when Peter finds out about the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely worried about what Michael's gonna find. I'm definitely worried about what Norman's gonna find. I can't, we can't place our bet on how well or how not well characters are gonna take certain news because writers are traumatic with how people react to things, so. But also just like, right now we're kind of left in a place where everybody has something that could crush another person waiting like yeah Rob, literally if, like, like he Rob, but but if roman so if norman finds out about a, like what olivia with olivia and marie that's gonna crush him um um peter could get crushed by the baby news Roman is could be crushed when he find when he does find out the truth of everything that Price is doing and how much he's covered up for his mom. Yeah. Nobody is safe from yeah. heartbreak. That's sad. 
And it's scary because it's like it's like a Jenga tower. It's gonna fall at some point. And also, when are we gonna find out anything about the cult? Yeah, we're three episodes in and we only know that they're targeting children. Which also, if I have to watch another kid die, I... Well, hopefully Superman Peter saves the day. Before that can happen, but, I mean, he stared the last two victims right in the face and it was just like, yeah, lock your door, I'm out of here. Also, what are they going to do when they find out Shelly's alive? Yeah. And what's Shelly going to do when she finds out all the stuff about Peter and his, uh, all the stuff about Roman and his, and her mother? And when Shelly left, Letha was still alive. That's right. Oh, man. This show's got me on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Yeah, this is like a lot of a lot of things could fall apart literally in the next episode. Like that could be the downfall of everything. But that Jenga tower is gonna fall. There's no way it doesn't. There's too many things to prevent heartbreak. And I have a very scary feeling that one of our main characters that we love to death will die this season. Well, I don't know. I mean, I just have a feeling that one of the one of the ones that are entangled in this puzzle piece, like either Price, Norman, Olivia. I don't really think it's. I don't really think it's going to be Olivia, Peter, or Roman. I don't um, think it. I don't think it will be Price either. I think those four are pretty safe. And so, like, something could happen to Norman. Something could happen to Shelley. Um, Something could happen to Miranda, which wouldn't really bother me so much as it would bother me watching Peter spiral over another girl. Yeah. And maybe that's what brings... Also, like, Miranda, there's gotta be more to her story. Yeah. She's sketch. But I don't know Um, if she's supposed to be sketch or if I just don't trust anyone. (laughs) That's very fair. But... With what we have for the season so far, there's still a lot of directions it could go. Just uh-huh. regardless, someone or multiple people will be getting hurt. Okay. There's no way to avoid that. Well, I mean, especially if the cult is targeting children. Yeah. Roman's the only one with the baby. Yeah, but no one knows. They, well, well, they could. If, if we knew more if, about this call. They find out. He's on the yeah. list. <sighs> this is whack. But that was Hemlock Grove season two, episode three. Yeah. Sorry, I just got like really tired all of a sudden. Well, then I would say let's wrap this up so you can get some sleep and go for your massage tomorrow. No, massage is not tomorrow. 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 I'm going. Well, I'm doing a bunch of stuff tomorrow, but I'm going to this restaurant that is called The Hog's Head. 
like the restaurant in Harry Potter and it's themed like Harry Potter. You can buy a cake that is the like happy birthday Harry cake from like the Hagrid made and everything. I'll, I'll take pictures, don't worry. So excited. Um, Have a bunch of fun with that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to help my mom decorate for Christmas some more today, so. If you uh, have anything to let us know, any theories, uh, any feedback on us or the show we're watching, uh, hit us up at Death and Aliens on Instagram or Twitter. Also, I hope no one else has had their Instagram update because the new font is ugly AF and I'm not happy about it. Yeah, I don't like the Instagram update, not one single solitary bit. I hate that, like, there is, like, my likes are on my homepage now. I hate that, like, I have, like, a little shopping bag on the bottom corner for whatever I just, reason. Because I, I just hate the new, I don't have all of the new update. Like, I don't have the, um, the shopping bag or anything, and my likes are still where they are. But the new font, like, when I go to my page and my name at the top, they changed the font, and it has got to be the oh, yeah. ugliest font. See, like, my my uh, Instagram has my likes, my DMs, and I can post from up there. And then down here is um, my, my page search, uh, the Instagram video, a shopping bag, and then my little profile. Oh, no, I don't have the full update. Then I just got the font because yes. I still have um, messages on the top and then posting and everything and likes and everything on the bottom. Yeah, nope. I hate it. hate it so much. Yeah. So, speaking of the horrible Instagram updates, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at mk underscore superstar. And you can find me at, on Instagram at monica.lynn underscore and Twitter at mon underscore lynn underscore. And on that note, we will see you guys next week. It's funny, we just, we had so much energy at the beginning of this, and we were so hyped about the episode. No, we now, don't. I'm just like, my mind is just so blown by the episode that I don't have the energy. Same. Also, I feel truly bad for anyone who's been watching this, because I just look like a mess. They probably think I'm an alcoholic at this point because I'm just drinking red wine every single episode. But also, I literally only drink while I'm doing this. Okay. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. Bye-bye. Enjoy your day. <laughs>